You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have uh, Robert K. Logan. He's a professor emeritus at the Department of Physics at the University of Toronto. Uh, he's got quite an extensive background, and we're going to be talking about uh, a recent work, uh, The Extended Mind, The Emergence of Language, Human Mind and Culture, and also What is Information, Propagating Organization in the Biosphere, etc. So, Robert, thank you for coming. How are you doing? Doing fine. Yeah, if you would, tell me uh, a little bit about your background and, you know, where your research and work and teaching and everything has taken you. Okay, I got uh, my undergraduate and PhD at MIT, uh, bachelor in 61, PhD in 65. Spent two years at the University of Illinois as a postdoc, came to Toronto in 67, been there ever since. Uh, I, at first, I focused totally on theoretical physics, uh, elementary particles. Uh, and I did that uh, basically from 63 to 1982. Uh, while I was teaching at the University of Toronto, I started a course in 1971 called the Poetry of Physics, which caught the attention of Marshall McLuhan. Marshall McLuhan asked to meet me, and we developed a collaboration beginning in 1974. I worked with Marshall from 1974 to his passing in 1980. After his passing, I transferred out of physics and uh, focused totally on media ecology, media studies, and the impact of technology. My last physics paper was published in 1982. Uh, the first work McLuhan and I worked on was something we called Alphabet Mother of Invention, in which we uh, argued that uh, five developments in Western culture, which were interrelated, okay. developed between... 2000 B.C. and 500 B.C. In 2000 B.C. in Mesopotamia, codified law came into being. The next move was the development of the alphabet, which took place around 1500 B.C. and was developed in the Sinai Desert by the copper miners there called the Kenites. The Kenites are talked about in the Bible. Uh, they are the people that were led by Jethro. Moses leaves Egypt and comes to live with Jethro, as related in the Bible. And uh, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and comes down with the law, the tablets written by the finger of God, as is described in the Bible. And so there is the third element, codified law in Mesopotamia, alphabet in the Sinai, monotheism in Israel. The fourth element was abstract science, and the fifth was deductive logic, both of them occurred in ancient Greece around 500 B.C. So okay. while these five ideas are not causally connected, 
They created an environment that promoted their mutual development. And that was the idea we developed in our book called, uh, article called Alphabet Mother of Invention. McLuhan passed away while we were working on this, and I had to publish a book by myself, and I called it The Alphabet Effect, and it was published in 1984. Uh, from there, I went on to uh, develop a, an idea called the Six Language. The Six Languages are speech, writing, math, science, computing, and the Internet. Hmm. And here's how they developed. Um, spoken language is what made us human. Spoken language is a difference between humankind and non-human animals. Uh, the next development was writing, which took place in Mesopotamia uh, around 3000 B.C. and led to codified law in 2500 B.C. So first language is speech, second language is writing, third language is math. Writing and mathematical no notation emerged at exactly the same point in time. The when when did uh, writing and mathematical notation occur, by the way? Can you restate that? Like, what approximate time period did that start happening? That happened around 3000 B.C. Uh, where? In Mesopotamia. Okay, very cool. All right, please go ahead. Mesopotamia is the place that it's called Babylon in some places. It's the area between the Tigris and Euphrates River in present-day Iraq. So uh, with, code, with written language, they developed codified law. Now, with written language and mathematical notation, there emerged the fourth language, which is science. Science is a language. And abstract science begins around 500 B.C. in ancient Greece. There were some forms of science before the uh, ancient Greeks, but the ancient Greeks were the first to uh, have abstract science in which they developed laws. So, language one, speech, two, language two, writing, language three, math, language four, science. The fifth language didn't occur until uh, 1944-45 with computing. Computing is the fifth language. And the sixth language is the Internet. And there are various dialects of the uh, Internet language, the most uh, important one being uh, the World Wide Web. So the question here, why word. would you... Uh... Why would you call computers and the internet languages? Like what, what defines the language in your uh, estimation? Because they have a syntax and a, um, a semantics. The syntax of science is the scientific method, and the semantics of science are the various uh, laws that are developed, the various propositions. Uh, okay, and then, then they're they're programming. In computers programming, they literally call different languages. They call them languages, you know? So Turbo Pascal, C, et cetera. Yes, so yeah, it makes sense. Okay. But computing itself is a language, and its semantics is the, um, the various uh, programming languages, the various um, the various programs that are written in those program programming languages. That's the semantics, and the syntax is the logic of the zero and the one. All of computing is done with zero and one. Finally, the internet is. Uh, has a, a protocol for connecting computers all over the world. That's its syntax or grammar, and the semantics are all the various things that one can do on the Internet, like Google, Facebook, Instagram, Tinder, um, email. That so that, that's the uh, idea behind the sixth language. What's, what does that tell you about a seventh? What do you imagine that might be? Maybe artificial intelligence? 
Well, artificial intelligence is another semantic element of um, computing. And it's okay, I don't know. Um, maybe as a standalone, the nature of the intelligence itself. Like, you know, I've heard um, AIs are actually starting to communicate with each other in their own language. They seem to be making one that no one else can understand. So I thought maybe that they would be the manifestation of their own language, just like humans have been. That's why I bring it up. Well, just when I say speech is a language, I'm talking about all the different spoken languages. It's a super category, but within that category, there's French, English, Swahili, Spanish. There are different kinds of languages. Okay. Well, very good. Follow? Um, it, it, I follow, yeah. If, if, so if AI is not it, I mean, again, you've studied the emergence and the development of these six languages. What do you think the seventh might be? Will there be a seventh, or is that it? I'm often asked that question. Sometimes I answer it by saying social media is the seventh language. I could also answer the, the question with saying artificial intelligence is the seventh language. It just depends on how you want to organize the, the various activities that take place with the computing and Internet. Okay, makes sense. The smartphone is, is another language in the sense that uh, it completely changes the way in which we interact with each other. So each language changes the environment in which people interact with each other. Spoken language was the beginning of human interactions and socialization. Writing allowed uh, history to be made, a philosophy to be made. Um, mathematics uh, made, allowed for our counting. Each of the languages produced different effects. Uh, science created the ability to systematize knowledge. That was the fourth language. The fifth language is computing. Computing uh, allowed organization of, of data and information. And the Internet comes along as a sixth language, and it allows the um, uh, people to network the information they create with their computers. Okay. Smartphone is, a, in a certain sense, could be thought of as a seventh language because it allows the mobility of computing and interneting. So you're not tied down to a particular location. So, so maybe okay, so what, result, what, are the, what have been the, result, you know, the big consequences of you identifying these languages? Like, what has it done to your thinking and your outlook, and where where is it taking you? Well, it took me to um, uh, talk about what is the nature of information, which is another book that I wrote. And since we're doing a review of my work, uh, I might as well explain what is information, propagating organization in the biosphere, the symbolosphere, the technosphere, and the econosphere. So um, people think of information as a thing because the word information is a noun. But in fact, information is a process. It's a process of informing someone or some some person, some being, some human, or some living thing, an animal. So information is a noun describing a process. Only living things deal with information. Information is what keeps them alive, allows them to metabolize energy in order to carry out their metabolism. People talk about information in a black hole. Physicists discuss information but they're talking about our information of what's going on. There is no information in a black hole because there's no living thing. Only living things have information because only living things can be informed. Information is that which informs a living 
organism. So bacteria have information, amoeba have information, trees have information, all animals have information, all plants have information, all fungi have information. And the one species with has the most sophisticated amount of information is humankind. Okay, so what, what are some of the nuances of what you learned there? Well, let's talk about artificial intelligence, for example, which seems to be a hot topic. There's something known as the singularity. Singularity is the idea that a computer will be able to program the next generation of computers with a higher level of intelligence than the computer that programmed it. And then that computer will program the next computer and so on until one arrives at a computer that is more intelligent than humankind. This is an idea promoted by um, a number of computer scientists. And I believe that this is a ridiculous idea because what makes for human intelligence is not just having information, but having a desire to know, having a desire to understand. Computers have no desires. They're not conscious. There's nothing that motivates them. So intelligence, human intelligence, is more than just collecting data or information. It's also about trying to understand things. And to understand things, then you have to be motivated. And there's nothing to motivate a computer because it has no values. It just doesn't give a damn. Whereas humans care. Computers don't care. So I believe that the notion of singularity is um, an idea that has no ba no basis. It's a pipe dream. Okay. But what, what, what useful comes from your understanding of information, in your opinion? Right. How has this been useful to you? Ethical consequences of using uh, artificial intelligence must rest with the programmer. We cannot just use artificial intelligence and allow it to make decisions. We have to have control of the process. So a technology should um, benefit the user of that technology, but that's not always the case. So we have developed um, technology of the automobile, which makes use of fossil fuel, and it was a great ride while it lasted turns of getting us efficiently from one place to another, but in the process, we're poisoning the planet. And now we're arriving at a situation where the technology, technology of the automobile and the other technologies that make use of fossil fuels are making human life on the planet questionable. So one cannot blindly use a technology without understanding its impacts. And right, okay. people don't understand what artificial intelligence is because they assume that they put more emphasis on the intelligent part of artificial intelligence and forget about the fact that it's artificial. Mm, okay. I don't well, want artificial like love. I don't like I don't want artificial love. I want real love. I don't want artificial intelligence. I want real intelligence. And real intelligence arises out of emotional out of emotion. People without emotions don't have intelligence because they don't care. Well, very good. Well, well, Bob, we're we're just about out of time, but I mean, I can hear that you've thought about many of these things for years and years and years. So, what, what are some references for listeners where they can, you know, they really need to read some of your books or get into your material? What's the best way to find more information about uh, language and information? Well, we've talked about several of my books: um, The Extended Mind, uh, What Is Information, um, Understanding New Media which describes the impact of the digital media that we're working with in today's uh, environment. 
uh, I would suggest those those books. Uh, the, the book called What is Information uh, describes the relationship of the various languages that I've just discussed. It also spends a, a, a good deal of time talking about the nature of education. Okay, well, very good. Well, Robert, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, and uh, it's just a lot to absorb, but thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss my ideas. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.